T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. The Mark Reardon Show. I hate people individually, but I love mankind. Oh, you do. The Mark Reardon Show. I got into broadcasting because I like to give. Sometimes I find myself hurting from giving too much. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and I want to start maybe just on a little bit of a different tone this afternoon. I think we all need to come together here as a uh, as a region and realize that Kim Gardner is a victim, ladies and gentlemen. She's the real victim in this, and I I don't know why people don't understand, especially because now you have, boy, you know, I I thought it was just me and, and some other folks who were deemed white supremacists, but think about the long list of racist people in this city right now, according to Kim Gardner. Like, let me name a few here. The mayor, Tashara Jones, she's so racist going what? after this How's black woman. How's the mayor a racist? Well, she's going against Kim Gardner. Oh, she's yeah. racist, Sue. A- anybody who Rachel does. Prouty, who's a state senator, she is racist. Rasheen Aldridge is a state rep, African-American. All these other African-Americans who have called for Kim Gardner to step down in the aftermath of her doing a terrible job, they're just racist. Because if you had under three minutes, did you really miss this? Yeah. Oh, my God. It, was, it wasn't a... a it wasn't a press conference. It was a pep rally, oh essentially, for Kim Gardner and her supporters. Now, I wasn't stupid enough to think that she was going to resign. I should mention we have the Attorney General Andrew Bailey on a little bit later. Let me start with him because here's what he said a little bit earlier today. This is about the rule of law and about justice. Instead of protecting victims, which is her obligation, she's creating more victims by neglect in office. So let me let me stop that's here it. just for a moment. Well, that's right. But let, let me also make something clear. And I think those of you who listen to this show are very aware of this. But you should share it with your friends, maybe. <laughs> because... I could take this incident from the weekend completely out of the mix and make a strong case, a very strong case for Kim Gardner to be removed from office in the same way that Andrew Bailey is trying to remove her right now. So for people like the mayor and Rasheen Aldridge and Rachel, all these other people that are finally on board after some of us for years have called for this. And we've called you out for being a bunch of wimps because you're worried about your African-American constituents. You better tell your African-American constituents that they better speak up. Because if they're worried, I, I got a call from a guy today. This is, this is a great example of this. And I don't know where this leads us, Sue, in the end. But there was a business owner from St. Louis County that said he was talking to a cop. This particular business owner was, uh, this is an area where cars are being broken into out in St. Louis County. And it, He said that the cop told him there was a juvenile that stole the car this week. 
He was arrested. Cop arrested the kid. So they took him into custody. The next day, the cop arrested the same damn kid. So he probably... You know, he probably got another car. So this business owner asked the cop, well, how many how many situations are there like this, like this, you know, this kid from the other night and this juvenile? And the cop said hundreds. Did you say hundreds? Yeah. Well, wait, it gets written. The business owner said, you mean hundreds as in hundreds or hundreds like almost a thousand? And the guy said a thousand. Now, this is between the county and the city. And something else is important here is there are going to be uh, people that are going to let Wesley Bell off the hook in this because Wesley Bell isn't the focus of what happened with Janae Edmondson. Wesley Bell is just as bad. Look, they both want to be social workers. They don't want to stop crime. They want to pull the race card. It took her under three minutes to pull the race card. And then she got into voter suppression. It's voter suppression. It's the race card. What? Because she's going by the... um, the 60 Minutes and Jeff Begay's piece from CBS, Bill Whitaker, that she was elected by her constituents to reform the justice system. And damn it, that's what she's going to do. So this legal maneuver by the attorney general, I I don't know whether it's going to work. And we're going to get into that. We'll have Andrew Bailey on a little bit. But this is something that's a little tricky. He filed something called a petition in quo Moronto. And I'm not a lawyer, so I probably pronounced that wrong. It's been used one time before. My understanding is that Chris Coster, when he was attorney general, he used this in 2009. There was a case from, I think it was Dent County, where there was a prosecutor that got arrested with a bunch of drugs. It was a felony case. Removed that prosecutor. But in this particular case, I, I don't know because this has to go. We're going to find all this out. I think it goes to a circuit court. Now, what she did primarily here is she blamed the judges. Well, That's what she did. She deflected all the blame from her office. While at the same time, it was funny because she admitted partial. She admitted before she pulled the race card and voter suppression, all that nonsense. And you're going to hear this wasn't this. These weren't reporters. Kevin Colleen was in that room trying to ask questions like legit questions like, hey, what do you think of the mayor finally calling you out? And Kevin and reporters being shouted down by people at the pep rally oh, come for on. Kim Gardner. So, so she me, loaded the room. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's that's an understatement. You're going to hear this. So I know that many of you heard some of this, but let me work backwards just a little bit because I love this right here as well. They're yelling, uh-huh. no justice, no peace. I was wondering, I, I, is this Janae Edmondson's parents that are actually saying oh no gosh. justice, no peace? Because they should be the ones doing that right now. So here uh, is what she said about the AG, Andrew Bailey. The attorney general, as others, used this unfortunate incident and tragic happening to this young lady as a political stunt of an unelected individual That's right. who wants That's to right. use politics the choir to, get in here. one, stop the voice of the people in the city of St. Louis. Right. This is nothing more than voter suppression, which we've seen right. on the national level as well as in the state of Missouri. Oh, yeah, it's voter suppression. You, We're just trying to hold black people down. It's such nonsense. And I hope to God that the African-American elected officials, some of which I just mentioned, have the guts to call this crap out. Now, I'm not convinced they will, even though they came in and said, oh, we're, you know, we don't, we think she's lost the, uh, you know. The, the confidence the of confidence the The confidence of the voters. So Mark, listen to the first question okay. here, though, all right? So this, she wraps up the statement. I said I'm kind of working backwards on some of this because she, she goes out there, she makes a statement, and then. Our focus is on the recovery of this young woman, Janae Edmondson, and on making sure that the individual actually responsible for what happened to her is held accountable. And while I understand that politics will always play a role, 
my office will return to focusing on the important work that the people of the city of St. Louis elected me. So she goes on that what? a lot. It was the people of the city of St. Louis. All right, so then she goes into questions here. So that the first question is not from a reporter. How can you take the uh, the <laughs> right, oh right. and the ethnic intimidation in your office? How can you take that, Kim? You're the victim what here. What plans you have to stop these racist people from harassing you and intimidating you? And it should come from probably the federal government, but we know we have no friends in Justice City. Ask the question, bro. We don't need a speech. And we're going to I don't know who that was, by the way. What do you do about the racial harassment and ethnic intimidation? Here's a question. You no, said- no, let her ask the question. Hold it. Hold it. We're in this right now. If y'all can't be cordial and civilized, okay? One question, one person at a time, okay? All right, so why is that even a question? Because that's not a reporter asking that question, right? Oop, I got nothing there. I got some audio here that is not there. Wait, there it is. But what we can control is we're going to fight very hard for justice in spite of the vitriol, the hate, the racist attacks, the known manipulation of the court procedures to make sure our office fails. All right, I want you to hear some of the questions here, and we're going to get into this with Andrew Bailey a little bit. Kevin got his question, and there were really only a couple that were asked and answered because she had the pep rally folks there trying to shout over everyone. Right. Can we ask the judge to revoke bond, but why doesn't the court record show one example there of a motion go. to revoke bond? All right, so this is a very important question because she, at the beginning of this, through the judge, he said, this isn't my fault, this isn't my office's fault, even though she did accept some responsibility She's like, it's the judges. They're not doing their job. There's not a motion to revoke bond. Why not? First of all, they are, we have what's called oral motions to revoke bond. Those can be made orally or written. And in this jurisdiction, they are made orally, and that is normal practice. And that was done in this case. On- so I don't know if that's true or not. We're going to find that. Yeah, out. She's I, talking I about really old, look forward. Right. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on the radio. Jane is going to join us a little bit later. We can yeah. ask uh, Andrew Bailey that as well. Right? Numerous occasions. Kim, how, the how, is, how, right. is, how is it? trying to get in here. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Go ahead, bro. How is it? How is it? You notice what happened there? Yeah. Kevin's trying to get in with a legit question, and this guy who had already asked the question that's shouting out stuff from the pep rally gets in. That the media organizations who are responsible for researching these cases before they get on the news and start spewing facts got this so wrong since Judge Hittenbach was responsible for the bond, which... All right. Now, let me this is this is something that didn't come up. Let's not forget that Kim Gardner's office two days ago told us that one of the reasons that the kid wasn't processed in the way that he should have been is because they weren't ready to go with this robbery trial because the guy died. Right. Right. And then the dad comes out yesterday and says, nope. He's alive, right? So what? nobody asked that question today, but this guy is trying to make it seem like, oh, the press didn't do their job here, right? Ultimately set the young man free who injured the young lady. In the end of the day, we all know the facts. No, we don't. I want to focus on Ms. Janae Emerson and her family because we all can point fingers, but this young lady's life is affected by the criminal justice system right now. Yes, it is. And we want to hold this individual accountable. Yes, it is. But I'm not going to point blame to anybody. The book stops with my office. Does it? Apparently it doesn't because you blamed everyone else and you blamed voter suppression and racism. And we did our job. And as I said, could we do more? We could. Yes. But did we not do nothing? That is not true. Really good grammar there. Kim, the mayor has said that, that she, uh, in her opinion, 
you've lost the confidence of the public. You're in this to fight it and prove that you did the right thing. Can you get the public's confidence back at this point? Well, that was a legitimate question, yes, it right? Was. And, and the supporters at the pep rally just shouting it down. She never lost confidence. I think the public answered your question, sir. Yeah, the public. That's not the public. We're yeah. We hear the supporter, and we're going to stand behind her 100%. Yeah, the public, the public is comprised of her friends and family. Somebody, one of the reporters out there, I think it was Paige Halsey from Channel 4 on her Twitter, said, is there anyone that's still, you know, supporting Kim Gardner? Yeah, her family and friends that were in that room. Right. The black progressives that are going to cry racism at every turn. Thankfully, way too late. There have been some, even some of these progressives, like I mentioned, Rasheen Aldridge and Rachel Proudy and others in the mayor that have said enough is enough. Now they're doing that because they know that their asses are on the line. The only reason the mayor is getting involved in this is because she's worried about her own political future at this point. And she knows that you, you can you know, I've been in this business for a long time and there are things that happen that you can feel. And this is one of those things. You can feel the heat Mm -hmm. all around us. You can feel how angry people are, Mm -hmm. both black and white, because of what happened to this young girl and because of the circumstances. But again, for for reporters or for the mayor or for any of these elected officials to act like this is something new, like it's the first time we've had anything like this happen in Kim's office where she should have had her law license revoked. I mean, let's be honest about that. The Supreme Court should have yanked the law license. They only did it the way they did because they were worried about more riots here in St. Louis. Here's the governor, by the way. He weighed in on this. This is getting some national attention. It was on Fox earlier today. Here's Governor Parson. People want to feel safe when they walk down the street. They want their kids to be able to go out and be safe. And you got to take bad people off the street. So we got to quit doing what we're doing right now because it's not working. And this is a perfect example of why. So we'll see what happens. Again, this this legal maneuver is tricky. So she's making 120 a year. She's not going to give that Good up right now. Years. And if she is going to give it up eventually, she's going to go out guns a-blazing because then she can write a book about racial injustice yeah, and how yeah, she was elected by is. the people of St. Louis to do a job. And the evil white people in this community, like Tashara Jones and the other elected officials, took her out. They took her out at the knees, those white supremacists, when she wasn't doing her job. It's she just comical. It's an embarrassment. Oh. This city continues to be an embarrassment. And I'm, I am appreciative of Jason Hall and others and people that came forward in the last couple of days in the business community to finally, after they were sitting on their asses for literally years, to come forward and say, okay, maybe, maybe this is time. Now that this poor girl lost her damn legs and doesn't have a future like she had on Friday or earlier Saturday when she was playing volleyball. That's where we are. That's where we are right now. So Uh, let me mention a few comments that we're getting on our uh, 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 YouTube page. uh, Libby says, you know, did we expect anything less than an S show? No. No, I didn't. uh, I get it. And then Jennifer said, you know what? I I knew what Kim Garner was going to say, but I wasn't fully prepared for this absolutely absurd display. And I think that's what we all are thinking. Well, because the, talk about unprofessional. And she just let it. She wasn't yeah, trying uh-uh. to quiet people down. No. She, she knew they knew exactly what they were doing at that point. And whoever was with her, we'll find out who the, um, the guy was that was trying to keep things in, in a ridiculous way in order.
because he didn't do it. All right, well, we're going to talk about this much more here this afternoon. Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General, will join us a little bit later this hour at 345. Um, we do have Sue's News in the next hour. Dave Strom from HotAir.com has been on fire with some great material. He's going to join us. Jane will be here. You know, we have the Reardon Roundtable tomorrow. Former State Senator Jeff Smith, Jane, Chris Goodson, who was the police commissioner, he'll have some strong feelings on this because he's tied in with both the business community and the law enforcement community. So that's coming up tomorrow. Jane will visit with us a little bit later. Um, one of the stories that I have, I've got a bunch of stories today that are really, really interesting, and they may get overshadowed by this monster story with our circuit attorney. But I was notified uh, by John Seiler a couple of days ago, who's been on the show before. He's a senior fellow and director of university policy at the National Association of Scholars. And he's been really rooting out some of these diversity and equity things that colleges and universities have used to hire their professors. And guess who he just revealed a bunch of information on? The University of Missouri-Columbia, my alma mater. It is extremely revealing and troubling. And we'll get to it next on 97.1 FM Talk. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, welcome back. Big, big day. Kim Gardner held the news conference about an hour. Well, I'm sorry. She held a pep rally about an hour ago with supporters, and there were two questions asked by legit media people, and that was it. And then she walked off and blamed voter suppression, racism, all this other nonsense. Andrew Bailey, who is using a very unique legal maneuver against Kim to remove her from office, said, look, if you're not out by noon on Thursday, we're going to do this. So he's moving forward with that, but that's complicated. And we'll get into that. Andrew Bailey will join us at 345, and we'll continue our coverage here this afternoon. And another reminder that this is going to be obviously one of the big topics on the Reardon Roundtable tomorrow in the 3 o'clock hour. But there are a lot of other things of interest that are going on, and John Seidler was nice enough to reach out to me. We've had him on the show before talking about some of these diversity and equity hiring quotas that they have, and he he sends me a message a couple of days ago saying, hey, the University of Missouri, my alma mater, is something that he filed a records request on. He um, put the story out today about the rubric for evaluating diversity statements. John is with me this afternoon. Hey, John, how are you? Thanks for coming on and for being patient. We've had quite a bit of news here in St. Louis, as you might imagine. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having me. 
So maybe before we get into Mizzou specific, explain, we've talked about North Carolina, some of these other things. What are these documents and the uh, diversity statements that are used to evaluate potential professors, teaching assistants, people like that, right? Yeah. So in, in higher ed right now, increasingly universities are asking professor job applicants, people who want to be professors, to uh, submit along with their resume and all of their other application materials, like letters of recommendation, a what, what's often called a diversity statement, which is pretty simple. It's supposed to outline a professor's past and future contributions to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, you know, some people might hear that and say, oh, this is just, you know, one more way that a professor can demonstrate that they're uh, committed to treating people fairly and equally. But if you look at the way the policy is actually applied, uh, and we now have good evidence for how the policy is applied in a lot of different places, uh, it's not so simple. In fact, the argument that's increasingly made by academic freedom watchdogs and First Amendment watchdogs is that, Because diversity, equity, and inclusion include, uh, well, basically a a, a set of ideological assumptions and connotations, these policies are basically a form of compelled speech. And uh, that's what I've reported on before. And I think in the case with the case of the University of Missouri, we now have some good evidence that that's what's going on. So there's in in, by the way, I tweeted this out earlier today. You have to go back and I can retweet it because there's been a lot of Twitter activity. But there are actual um, evaluation forms. So it's the inclusion, diversity and equity IDE evaluation tool says date department candidate rater rate the candidate on each item below using the following scale. Add the total and any comments at the end of the rubric. One, not competitive. Two, competitive. Three, highly competitive excellence. So the questions, and I'm going to ask you something here, John, but let me just offer a couple of um, examples. So in the basic skills, you are asked to look at no involvement in specific diversity activities, seems uncomfortable discussing diversity-related issues, may state that they just haven't had much of a chance to think about these issues. Yes, that's a one, right? That's not competitive. But if you know and then you go down, is aware of demographic data related to diversity in higher education and comfortable discussing the diversity-related issues, discusses the underrepresentation of many groups, the consequences. So who's actually doing the evaluation and filling these numbers in when the interviews take place? So, you know, I uh, also obtained a uh, slideshow that was created for a training at University of Missouri where uh, they train faculty in what they call inclusive hiring. And in that, they basically, the university's administration is basically encouraging faculty across uh, all departments to to participate in this kind of policy. And some departments do it more uh, more forcefully than others. So, for instance, the Division of Biological Sciences at University of Missouri, their webpage states explicitly that their hiring practices use a blinded review in the early stages of application review. And I'll quote, Uh, with equal weighting of research, teaching, and inclusion and equity statements. Right. Let's define that for the audience so we don't lose them. It doesn't matter how qualified you are to teach a particular course or to be a professor. What only matters, or at least equally matters, is whether or not you're anti-racist, right? Deemed, deemed anti-racist. 
that's the only thing that really matters here. You got to maybe you got to have some qualifications, but if you got these qualifications, we'll move you up the uh, the totem pole, right? The policy is basically an invitation for uh, uh, ideological policing. If you say that we're going to weigh your research and your teaching uh, as as equal to your contributions to diversity and equity, that means that somebody who is excellent, an excellent teacher, an excellent researcher, but simply, uh, you know, uh, is kind of a dissenter on the DEI orthodoxy, that person, even if they're the most qualified candidate, at least in the division of biological sciences, that person will likely not get the job, not on the basis of their qualifications, but truly on the basis of their adherence to this DEI ideology. That's the problem that the, um, you know, people have again and again brought up regarding these requirements. And, um, you know, it's a major problem that I think the university needs to address. And if the university won't address it, then policymakers need to think about addressing it. Yeah, John Seiler is here, who is the director of university policy at the National Association of Scholars. Um, We'll get back to him in just a second. I have a question, but I do want to mention that the Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, is coming up in about 10 minutes to respond to Kim Gardner's news conference from an hour ago. John, on your uh, Twitter string about this, you said that the Mizzou rubric that you obtained through the Freedom of Information request perfectly illustrates how diversity statement policies invite viewpoint discrimination. Explain that a little bit better for me. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it is it is uh, it, it just like well, their lost. race. Oh, there we go. Sorry, we lost you there for a second. Start that again. Just like discriminating against uh, uh, against someone on the basis of their race uh, is wrong, and there are legal implications for that. Discriminating against someone on the basis of their viewpoints, especially if their viewpoints uh, um, are not essential to the work that they're doing and they're working for a state institution, you know, that carries legal ramifications. And if you look at this rubric, you know, it penalizes people for having opinions on things that are very much ideologically loaded. I don't know if you're aware of what affinity groups are, but affinity groups are basically groups within universities or, um, you know, sometimes student groups that are segregated on that, that are separated on the basis of either race or gender or other demographic categories. I mean, we have a word for this at the NAS. We call it neo segregation. And there's at least a strong argument to say that this is a bad thing. And now you don't have to agree that it's a bad thing to, to consider this argument. People should not be penalized for their job in their job application. They shouldn't be disqualified from a job for holding an opinion about something that is inherently controversial. And that's the whole issue with DEI statement evaluations anyway. DEI right now is a hot button issue. It's extremely controversial. DEI programming at universities often entails endorsing things like critical race theory. And, and uh, you know, that means that requiring faculty to demonstrate how committed they are to DEI, to diversity, equity, and inclusion, almost necessarily requires uh, uh, universities to evaluate potential faculty members on, on whether they have the right beliefs. And that's, that is just an open invitation for viewpoint discrimination. You have organizations like the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression coming out and saying that this violates the First Amendment. It's a big problem, and uh, I think the University of Missouri pretty much in a nutshell, some, uh, uh, um, you know, t- typifies 
and right. illustrates why that's the case. So, so you've reported, and one of the reasons we had you on, you reported some of these universities have pulled back on this. North Carolina, there have been a few others. And my understanding, I think, is there a state law that can address this as well? Because I think some of our lawmakers are, are looking into that as well. Is that one of the paths to stop these? Yes, it's fully within legislators' rights to uh, address this through law. There are, are a lot of uh, model bills out there that would would pretty resoundingly address the issue. And you're right to say that, uh, you know, some universities have taken it upon themselves to to address the problem, because once it's brought up, it's hard to actually defend with a straight face. So hopefully the University of Missouri says, no, we're not going to do this anymore. But if they don't, I think I think lawmakers need to take a look at the policy and seriously consider addressing it through these through well, this model I'll, I'll tell you what and I haven't I was really busy with this news conference that I mentioned again Andrew Bailey our AG is coming up but they they um, they heard that you were coming on here at Mizzou and they contacted us today with a supposed response John so I will give you that response when I have it I don't have it yet because I got real busy in the last hour but apparently uh, the folks at Mizzou were dialed into this conversation so they have issued some sort of response and I'll get it to you when I can okay I'm eager to hear it I know that's me too thank you John Sauer. this is great work on this I appreciate it Thank you. And I just tweeted this out again for people because my tweet string has been pretty long today with, with all this I stuff. Bet. So if you want to access this story, you can go to at Minding Campus, uh, mindingthecampus.org or at Minding Campus. Uh, John is John D-S-A-I-L-E-R. Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General, responding to Kim Gardner and explaining his le- legal maneuver that could remove her from office is coming up next. Well, Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General, put down an ultimatum late yesterday. I think it was after the show wrapped up. People started sending this to me, calling for Kim Gardner, our circuit attorney here in St. Louis, to resign Mm. by noon. And if not, he was going to use this legal maneuver that we're going to explain here in just a second. Kim Gardner, you know, look, I didn't think she was going to roll over and play dead by any means. And she was defiant, blaming a lot of different things um, outside of herself. Here's what she said, though, today. The Attorney General, as others, used this unfortunate incident and tragic happening to this young lady as a political stunt of an unelected individual who wants to use politics to, one, stop the voice of the people in the city of St. Louis. This is nothing more than voter suppression, which we've seen on the national level as well as in the state of Missouri. Yeah, she's taking a shot at Andrew because he was appointed by Governor Parson, not elected. He's on the phone with us this afternoon. Attorney General Andrew Bailey, how are you? And I guess reaction to those comments first and foremost, Andrew. Well, hey, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. At the end of the day, I'm in my position to do a job, and that job is to serve the rule of law, the people of the state of Missouri, and to find justice. And that requires, at this point, for us to push forward with a writ of quo warranto. That's the legal action that seeks to remove Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner from office. It's the right answer. It's the right thing to do at this moment in time to restore order in the city of St. Louis and to provide justice for victims of crime. Instead of protecting victims of crime, the circuit attorney is creating more victims through her willful neglect of her statutory, ethical, and moral obligations. So would you do me a favor and explain the petition, how it works, what the steps are? Absolutely. So yesterday we called on circuit attorney to resign by noon today. And if she failed to do so, we would initiate the process under the applicable statutes that allows the attorney general to initiate a case to remove her from office. And that's what we've done. At 12 o'clock today, she had declined to uh, resign. So we initiated the process. And those files should be available on CaseNet shortly. But essentially, it's governed by Section 106.220 
of the revised statutes of Missouri. And we raised three claims that establish willful neglect. Number one, that she's failed to prosecute cases to disposition that are pending. And we see that in things like uh, the most recent incident where her failure to get bond revoked on a violent offender who was out on bond, despite numerous uh, bond violations, uh, resulted in yet another a tragic tragedy and another victim in the city. Uh, these cases languish on the dockets and are eventually dismissed. She's also failed to inform and confer with victims. So she has a constitutional and statutory obligation to keep victims notified about the pendency of their case, where the case is in the process, and the ultimate disposition of the case, and she's failed to do that. And third, she's failed to file cases referred by law enforcement agencies. So when the police make an arrest, and they send the police report to her office for prosecution, she sits on it. And there are thousands and thousands of files sitting in her office that she refuses to move on. And so these three failures constitute willful neglect in office, and it's time that the state took took charge and that she's held accountable for her refusal to discharge her uh, statutory obligations. And look, this is not something I take lightly, but at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do to serve the rule of law, to serve the people of St. Louis and the state of Missouri, and to start finding some justice for, for victims. It's so important, and I'm glad you reemphasized the point that I made earlier, that this is, you know, and you probably know this, Andrew, some of us have been talking about the reckless behavior in this office for a long time. And it's just this week, after a terrible tragedy, that finally the mayor and other representatives who are apparently also racist because that's what they were called by Kim today, have come forward. But this reckless behavior is long before this particular case from Janae Edmondson losing her legs, right? Oh, absolutely. Look, this is a, this is a continued pattern of behavior. This is not a singular isolated incident. It's a continued pattern of behavior that establishes willful neglect. And let me point this out as well. It, you know, th- she's got excuses for everything. And so rather than take accountability and make the right decision, which is to step down, she is she's wants a fight. Well, that's fine. We'll, we will get our day in court. And she admitted at the press conference that there were things that she could have done better. Yeah, she did. She acknowledges that there, there are some failures. So we've already we've already started. She's already made an admission as to some of the evidence we need to establish willful neglect, which I think we'll do. But I also want to point out this. She calls it voter suppression. She calls anyone trying to remove her from office as voter suppression. But yet the people's elected representatives in the General Assembly enacted this process. They, they're the ones that passed Section 106.220 that gives me the authority to take this action. And at some level, the people of the state of Missouri's interests are at stake because of her failures in the city of St. Louis. So does this get this gets filed then in a circuit court here in the city, right? That, that is correct. It is currently filed and is pending in the circuit court in the city of St. Louis. How quickly would this be expedited, right. are we expecting? Yeah, I mean, we're going to work with the court to try to expedite this process. The people of the city of St. Louis and of this region deserve clarity, and they deserve uh, reestablishment of the rule of law. And so we will move as quickly as, as we can uh, under under that process. We're waiting for to see if the, uh, the, the 22nd Judicial Circuit, if uh, a judge in that circuit will take the case, or whether those judges will recuse themselves which will require the Supreme Court to appoint a new judge to hear the case. But as soon as we get a judge assigned, we'll move to have a hearing, and we we don't want this to to linger. We want to move this case as quickly as possible because the the people deserve law and order to be restored in the city of St. Louis. So no matter how a judge might rule on that initial petition, let's say he rules in your favor or or he or she rules in in, the other side's favor, there's an availability to appeal, right? Either side could appeal depending— yeah, that, that's right. And look, we're going to keep pushing this thing until it's a uh, conclusion. We are not going to let up that she had the opportunity to do the right thing here. She's declined to do so. And we're going to hold her accountable because that's in the best interest of the people of this state and of the city of St. Louis. 
Mr. Bailey, it's Sue Thomas in here. In her press conference, she was referring to the fact that she had uh, orally asked the court, rather than submitting paperwork, right, to say we need to get this guy off the streets. Uh, is that a thing? When we heard that in the press conference, I thought, boy, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I've never heard of that. But is that a, a, a possibility? Well, let me tell you my experience as a prosecutor. First of all, I was motivated every day to get up and fight for justice for the victims. So I would hope that, that she would be so motivated as well, but she doesn't seem to be similarly motivated. But as to oral motions, that's a thing. She could have made oral motions, but the docket entry should reflect Thank that you. she made a motion and that the court denied that motion. And the docket entries do not so reflect. So something's going on here. And look, that's just more evidence that we'll get. And luckily, there will be witnesses who will testify to what happened in court. And typically, there's a transcript. So we'll get to the bottom of it. And we're not going to let up until we've held her accountable for her failure to discharge her duties. So when this is heard, even the, the first time in court, there will be the ability to call witnesses in the case? Uh, there, at some point, there will be an evidentiary okay. hearing. You know, we also anticipate that there will be a, at least a brief period of discovery where uh, we will be allowed uh, to access, uh, some, you know, necessary records, necessary court records like, uh, you know, transcripts from the hearing at issue here. Or uh, it, at least at this point, I think it's it, we may need to depose witnesses who are present in the courtroom when she claims these oral motions were made. Right. Gotcha. One more question. One final question. Andrew, thank you so much for making time here this afternoon. My understanding is this only really been used one time. Chris Coster had a prosecutor in Dent County that uh, had a drug case, sought the removal. So, it, it, I mean, it has been used a lot. So how, how confident are you that this can actually succeed? Well, it is. It has been used in the past and has been successful in the past. And I'd point you to in the 19th case, uh, leading case on point on the issue in the 1950s, there was a sheriff in St. Louis County who was removed using this process for failure to enforce the laws as written. And so there's case precedent. And it's a good thing that this isn't used often because it means that people are showing up and doing their jobs. The, the people's elected representatives are showing up and doing their jobs at all levels of government. And that's why this isn't used very often. That points to how extraordinary this is and how bad things have gotten. Andrew Bailey, thank you so much. Keep on it. This yes. is very important. I, you know, Andrew, I, I think you probably even feel this where you are in, I don't know if you're here today in St. Louis, but there are certain stories that come along where you can just kind of feel the momentum building, the anger, the passion. And this is certainly one of them from a lot of different yep. corners. I mean, Kim Gardner thinks it's just racism, but there are a lot of people right now. And I think it's important that the, the constituents maybe have their voices heard here a little bit, too, because she feels like she's got all this support. I think the mayor indicated yesterday that that support is dwindling and the confidence certainly is well we know we're doing the right thing we know that the people of the city of st louis don't want any more victims of crime and they they support law and order and so that's what we're going to pursue andrew thank you so much i appreciate it thank you that's missouri attorney general oh, andrew bailey great to who, have him on new in the job and phenomenal yes though, really good I, grief I, I think that this is now again these things are are tricky and you know, is she just going to try to run out the clock? I didn't think she was going to resign. I don't think that that no. was something that I would anticipate. And I don't think there's any, you know, certainty here that this is going to work as well. We'll have to see. Right. I, I think it was uh, just good practice to say, well, give you a chance. You can resign before we start all this process. Right. Yep. She had the opportunity. Yep. The window was there. Second hour coming up. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 